Christ and hopefully that they are joyful, not because of presents and evergreens and lights, but because we celebrate our Savior's birth. Was he really born on the 25th of December? I don't know, probably not, but uh, it's a good thing to, to celebrate, right? Uh, we don't get caught up in the culture of this world where they pay lip service to the Lord once or twice a year. And we should be celebrating our Lord's birth every day, right? We don't want to reserve it just for one day. That's great. But every single day uh, we should be celebrating what God has done. Why? Because he gave us a new life, right? We have a new life. We have a new birth experience because of what he did. And so he came to save us from our sins. And so we'll be rejoicing with the angels now and tomorrow and the 24th and 25th and whatever day you do that. But even after that, I know that you and I will still be rejoicing what God has done next year and next month and next year. Why? Because he deserves praise every single day. All year long he deserves praise. And, and while the world may praise him once or twice a year, it's the people of God that are continually worshiping him. It doesn't matter what calendar day it is. The people of God are going to get up and start praising God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And not just Christmas time, not just Easter time, but every day of all days, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And if you and I aren't going to do it, then who out there is going to do it? If you and I don't do it, then I truly believe the rocks will cry out because the world doesn't give him praise. Uh, he's done too much for me for me to keep quiet, and he's done too much for me for not to praise him any time that I can because I'm not going to let a rock take my place and get in the front of the worship line because what has a God done for a rock? He's done way more for me than a rock has. Amen. And so he deserves my praise and glory in any time. And every day, I hear many people say that this is their favorite time of the year. And I wonder if that is because people actually let Jesus into their lives this time of the year. I wonder. For it's only this time of the year that front lawns have images of the manger scene. It's only this time of the year they have signs posted that Jesus is the reason for the season. But come a week or two from now, those biblical scenes get taken down and folded up. The signs that are bearing the greatest name ever given to man gets taken down and put in the attic for this certain time next year. Only to go back to normal life where Jesus fades from our society. Maybe one day it will click in somebody's mind that when I start to unpack Jesus, that the world seems to be a better place. 
But when I stuff him back in the box and put him back in the attic, then the more chaos ensues and continues for uh, the next 11 months or so. Um, I don't know about you, but I still see some Trump 2020 signs out and, and flags out on people's lawns and fences, uh, but only Jesus is allowed a few weeks out. The election's been over a year ago, and they still have, they still proudly wear those signs and banners, and how about we take down the Trump signs, and we put up Jesus signs, and we keep them all year long, since we're not worried about the season any longer, let's just keep Jesus in the front of our lives, in the front of our lawns, amen, and let him make a difference in our lives, and we'll see what happens when we keep Jesus out. See, the world, the word behold is used over 1,300 times, behold, uh, 1,100 times in the Old Testament and over 200 times in the New Testament. Uh, and, and that word behold is an, is an interjection, uh, it, which is used kind of to get somebody's attention, behold. Uh, it's like a horn on an automobile. You hit that thing and heads start turning, and you just hope they're not honking at you. It doesn't matter what people are doing, what lane they are in, what direction they're headed. Everyone hears the horn and looks towards its direction. It's an interruption. It kind of injects itself into your life, and you really can't avoid it. You, you can try to, to block it out and blur it out, but you know it's there, and you can't avoid it. And, uh, but we really don't go around saying, behold, behold. Uh, it can be better stated as, hey, you. That, that, that's our behold today. Hey, 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 you. Look, look over here. Look at this. See this? That's our behold today. And we see a lot of times when God is speaking to man that this word behold appears. As if God is trying to get our attention. Uh, uh, and, and we're just uh, busy doing our own things, that God has to interject himself uh, into our lives so that we give him the tension that he deserves. God shouldn't have to interject himself, should he? He shouldn't have to, to lay on the horn uh, so that uh, that gets us to turn our heads uh, and our attention towards him, right? We should be seeking him out. We should be looking for him. We should be the ones that say, behold, Lord, here am I. Behold, Lord, I found you today. Behold, Lord, there you are, and I am here. I'm your servant. What is it that you want? But time and time again, and story after story, we see God interrupting people's lives. And not every instance do we see the word behold being used, but uh, just got to imagine that maybe God said that and wasn't recorded down in, in, in the scripture. But whoever he shows up to, uh, if you want to get somebody's attention, you just appear next to them and say, behold. That'll get their attention, won't it? And then you say their name. Behold, Phil. Uh, and so, uh, behold, Noah, thou hast found grace in my eyes. Now here's what I want you to do. And, and so we don't have all the details of every encounter 
that man has with God. And some accounts we have more details than others. And uh, and some we just kind of pick up at some point in their life story where God is working in there. But uh, there usually is a behold somewhere in that conversation between God and man. We see in Genesis 6:11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Talk about an introduction to the God of heaven. Of course, we don't know, maybe more was said here, but this is all that was recorded and that we need to know. Uh, there's no, hey, how you doing, or I'm great, and how are you doing? No. Behold, Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. Well, you've got my attention. I guess I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. And listen closely. In verse 14, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within without pitch. Uh, and this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height 30. A window shalt thou make in the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shall be set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under the heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come unto the ark, and thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Wow, when, 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 when Noah got up this morning, he had no idea that this is what his day was going to have. This is not what he imagined his day to behold, uh, a message from the Almighty. Uh, there is no way that Noah got any sleep that night. No way. He stared at the ceiling with his eyes wide open, didn't even blink all night long. And you can imagine getting word of that, getting that kind of news. Behold, I'm going to destroy the whole earth and everything that has breath is going to die. I don't even know, uh, know if anyone has ever thought about it, but what was Noah doing before he heard, Behold? We're actually really not sure, we don't, we don't know, but we do know that he had an established life, as he was, and he was well into his life. All three sons were married, and Noah, he wasn't the new guy on the block, he wasn't the new parent, he wasn't the newly wed, uh, he was well into his established life, he had his daily, weekly, and monthly routine going on, but when it all, when a behold came, it all stopped. I mean, everything stopped. The, the plans you have for tomorrow, next week, next month, are about to be canceled or at least rescheduled. Because now I heard the Lord say, behold, I'm going to destroy the earth. Because now I've got to build a Titanic of a boat, and, and if I don't build it, then I'm going to die. It sounds like. 
Really? I mean, what other? He didn't really talk about any other options. Behold, I'm going to destroy the earth, and uh, hey, if you want to build a boat, your family will be safe. Uh, here's the blueprints uh, to build an ark that will save whoever's in it. And so uh, whatever Noah's plans were, they just changed for good. With one word, behold. But behind the behold, what came after the word behold, was a life waiting that Noah could not have even imagined. A life filled with adventure, if you say. Uh, a life filled with uh, blessing and provision by the hand of God. And most importantly, a life spent walking and talking with God himself. All of that came after behold. Behold will interrupt your life. Behold will get your attention, but, but the behold will change your life for the better because behind every behold there is a blessing. And behind every behold there is a, a miracle that is waiting in the hand of God. Behind every behold a new life awaits between you and God and all you have to do is listen for that one word, behold. Another man whose life was interrupted by a word, behold, in Exodus 3.1. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock of the back, uh, to the backside of the desert. And he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And so now we, we know the story of Moses fairly well. We have details of his birth um, and his upbringing. We have more details about Mo Moses' life than we do have about many other uh, Bible characters, um, but here we come to the part of Moses' life where Moses thought that his work for God was done. He thought his life for his, his work for the kingdom was done. Uh, he tried to help out Israel. Uh, he tried to liberate them. Uh, he tried being a double agent and working to get them free even if he had to kill the Egyptians one at a time, he was working at it. And so he wanted, he saw the oppression of his people. He knew that they were suffering, and he was a Hebrew as well. And so he was trying to help out to do his part to help the kingdom of God and to liberate the, 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 the Israelites from their taskmasters. Uh, but Moses' plan to liberate failed. And so what happened is he fled into the wilderness. And so here in chapter 3, Moses had already transitioned into a, a different life. He was here maybe 40 years or so living in the wilderness. He had already retired. He was, he was uh, no longer, he was now living the easy life. Don't have to worry about Egypt. You don't got to worry about the Israelites I'm back here doing my own thing. I don't got to worry about it. I tried helping God out and uh, working for the kingdom and doing these things. Uh, but now it's, it's sitting back in the hammock life and, and enjoying the responsi limited responsibilities and limited eruption, interruptions because I've got a schedule. And, and this is how I'm going to enjoy my life now. Just watching my father-in-law's sheep out in the wilderness. But then in verse 2, the angel appeared unto him in a flame of fire out in the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, 
the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, uh, God called on him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. You see, uh, the behold went out, uh, but Moses had to still decide if he's going to turn that way or not. The behold goes out a lot. But not everybody turns to hear the voice and turns to the behold and say, what is this? Let me go see what this is. Let me follow the voice and, and see what is on the other side of the behold. And so once God saw that Moses uh, turned uh, at the behold, uh, he said, uh, verse 6, or verse 5, he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land into a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, Unto the, lay, the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And so there's a, f a few beholds in Moses' encounter with God. Uh, but what we see here is his life got interrupted by a behold or a few beholds. Now Moses could have had just ignored it. Uh, ignored the behold, ignored the call of God, and continued living the life that he had. He could have saw that bush burning, uh, and it could have been, he could have like, wow, that's interesting. And he could have kept on going, couldn't he? He could have said, uh, well, I'm not going over the way. It just seems really odd. I'm just going to keep going, go back to my normal life, and I'm not going to pay any attention to that. Oh, or he could go and see what is behind the behold and to see what is on the other side of this thing that God is calling him to do. My life will either stay the same or I can follow God and he can take my life to places that I've never been. And to soar with him in the heavens and, and go to realms that I can't get there on my own. I can either choose to stay where I'm at, live in the nice, comfortable life that I'm at, or I can choose to follow the behold and to see where God leads us and to experience things only God can do in our life. And so what are you going to do, Moses? What are you going to do when the behold comes to your life? And we know that he turned aside to see the burning bush and removed his sandals, and the rest is history. Had Moses just ignored it, had he silenced the behold, then he never would have had seen the plagues, would he? He never would have seen the plagues destroy the most powerful nation on the planet. 
He never would have seen the Red Sea split in half and, and come back on, on Pharaoh's army. He never would have seen God face to face. And he never would have got the opportunity to cover his face with a veil because it glowed so much from the glory of God. He never would have got to do that had he just ignored the behold and say, hey, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on living the life that I've chosen out here. But all of that was waiting for him behind the behold. And so what awaits you behind your behold? What is out there in the mind of God that God has prepared for you? And all he does is say, behold, will you come over here? Behold, the behold will interrupt your life. It's, it's going to interrupt your schedule and the plans that you have. But I know that God's interruption will more than make up for whatever pithy plans that we have for this life. Uh, because uh, God's hand is upon us and upon his people. And we just got to listen to the call, listen to the voice, and be willing to follow the behold wherever it leads us. There's a man who God was calling to. I don't know if he was saying, behold, behold, but he was reaching out to, to him in his life, trying to get a hold of him, knocking on his life. A, a man by the name of Saul, uh, who was stubborn in his own ways, thought he was doing uh, the work of God, but God kept saying, behold, Saul, behold, behold, Saul. Uh, I'm trying to get your attention, Saul, but uh, he kept pushing it away and kept ignoring it and saying, I'm still, I'm on a mission. I'm, I'm doing the Lord's work. I'm going to go persecute the church and, and kill the Christians who are trying to start up this new, this new religion. I, I'm doing the Lord's work. I'm protecting the law uh, of God, and, and so, but yet, he was so determined in his own way that he didn't hear, behold, Saul, behold, Saul. And finally on the road to Damascus, he got an encounter with the Almighty God. And what did God say? Uh, you try, you're, you're kicking against the pricks, aren't you, Saul? That means God is trying to poke in him. It has been poking him and, and working on him for a while and, and saying, behold, Saul, turn over here. Behold, Saul, I've got something for you. Just listen to me. Just listen to my voice, and I, I will lead you to a new life and use you in a, a way that you can only imagine. But Paul, Saul kept kicking against the pricks, ignoring the horn, ignoring the behold, and saying, hey, I've, I've got things all planned out. But it took an encounter on the road to Damascus that finally got his attention. God appeared to him and, and, and his glory and his bright, uh, bright light shined so much that scales came upon his eyes for three days he could not see. He was blinded so much and I don't think, I don't think God really wanted to do that but, but, but Paul wasn't listening was he? He, he was ignored. He was kicking against the pricks. Uh, he kept calling out to him, behold, behold. But Paul was not, or Saul was not answering. And so God stepped in even more. And finally, I think Saul heard the behold. And he said, yes, Jesus. What is it that you want me to do, Lord? That's, that's all the Lord was asking, wanting uh, Saul to say uh, earlier in his life. We don't know uh, when it was, but we know that he was trying to get his attention. 
And so uh, hopefully that we answer the behold before we have an, a, a Damascus experience, right? Not that it, it ended up bad, but uh, uh, sometimes God needs to step in, st- turn up the heat a little bit in our life. Uh, if we're not, if we're ignoring him or we're not listening to the behold or, or just to kind of doing our own things. And so uh, uh, because we know the behold is an interruption. God is trying to interrupt our life. Sometimes we just don't want to be interrupted, do we? We just want to do our own thing. I'm in the middle of something. I, I, can't, get, I can't do it. Uh, uh, maybe try to try me later or, or get back to me later. And so uh, uh, we don't like to be interrupted, especially when we're, we found our groove and we're, we're in the flow of things and we're really getting, being productive or, or whatever. We found a, a comfortable place. Uh, but uh, the, the dangers of, of comforts is, is we can get lazy and we can start getting, uh, uh, getting lazy spiritually and, and faithfully to God. And so uh, at that time, a behold is a good thing, right? God's trying to wake us up. Hey, I've got greater plans for you. Hey, I've got something I want you to do in your life. Behold, will you listen? Will you follow me? Will you answer the call? Uh, will you allow me to interrupt your life so that I can do something greater than what you're doing right now? Interruptions are costly. In fact, unnecessary interruptions, they say, somebody did a study, they say consume about 28% of a worker's day. So you're, you work working eight hours at work, and uh, according to this study, uh, some, some of your coworkers have only been working 70% of the time getting interrupted with things, and they're not, they're not working, uh, which translates into 28 billion lost hours to companies in the U.S., 28 billion hours lost to interruptions. At an average cost of $21 an hour, that costs U.S. companies almost $600 billion a year just because their employees, their workers are interrupted with something. And their, their, their train of thought stops and uh, work halts for a little bit. Uh, uh, and so interruptions, uh, people don't like interruptions. Companies and bosses don't like interruptions. Uh, but we know if the interruption comes from God, it's got to be a good thing. Even though with the behold comes forth, it doesn't sound really great like Noah's behold, I'm going to destroy the whole earth. But behind that, uh, God said, hey, I want you to build an ark that you and your family can be saved. Okay, I can get on board with that uh, because I don't like what's happening in the first part. And so I'll go ahead and do part B uh, because I know you're going to be faithful and you're going to come through with what you said to do. And so uh, interruptions, people don't like that. Uh, many believe that interruptions fall into two categories. When I interrupt somebody, that's a good thing because, hey, I'm trying to get your attention, right? When you interrupt somebody, it's, it's a good thing. Let me step in here. I got something good to say. But when somebody else interrupts us, that's a bad interruption. Eh, you know, only when we interrupt is good. We got a good, we got a good something good, but. The other people, nah, that's not good. They're interrupting and wasting my time. Uh, and so is it a good or bad interruption when God interrupts us? It may feel 
bad, right? Because we're, we're, we're doing something where we like the way things are, and then God interrupts something, uh, and, you know, uh, but we can't, we can't really get focused on the behold. we got to look behind the behold because if God is going to interrupt your life, he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And I know it's going to take you to a greater place than where we are right now. And so as much as, a, as an interruption it might be, as much as a costly sacrifice that we may be, we got to trust that God knows what he's doing. And he's calling us to, to a greater dimension in him, a higher height and a deeper depth with God and a, a closer walk with him if we just answer the behold and find out what's behind the behold. And so Joseph, Joseph being a, a young man in love, is engaged to be married to the love of his life. He had all these great plans, grand getaways planned, honeymoon, a great life. Uh, you know, you are all there. We're all there at one point. Um, just had your camel bathed and pressure washed, you know, riding off into the sunset on that thing. I mean, Joseph's got it all planned out. I mean, this is, this is, you're getting close. And he's going over to his fiance's house to tell her the good news that he found a great deal on a Mediterranean cruise. And, and so what does is, what is, uh, Mary say to him? Behold, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Behold, I'm pregnant, Joseph. Can you imagine the silence in that room? Can you imagine? Uh, I wonder what Joseph said. Uh, I, you know, he, he knows it's not his, so whose is it? Uh, and so um, I'm sure the last question that Joseph asked is probably like, okay, where's my ring? I mean, you know what, you know, uh, that's that's quite the behold there, right? Mary's beholding the child, and she's trying to get Joseph's attention and, and tell him uh, what's going on. But uh, in those days, a, a marriage contract was worked out between families, and uh, the engaged couple continued to live with their parents until their wedding. Uh, and so the, the marriage date had been set. Families were excited about growing together and all this. And, and Joseph had every right to divorce her when she said, Behold, Joseph, I'm pregnant. He could have just divorced her right then and there. He had every right to and uh, every right to end it before it officially began. And, and the girl that he thought he was marrying turned out to be somebody else. After Joseph found out that she was pregnant, he could have begun to tell his family, tell his friends, tell his neighbors and uh, the wedding guests that, hey, this is all over. I mean, we got a change of plans here. Mary is pregnant with somebody else's child, and so I'm calling it quits. He had every right to do that. Uh, in fact, uh, those thoughts were going through his mind. Um, he, but the Bible says uh, he could have publicly rebuked her and mocked her. And uh, had Joseph done that, her life would have been over. Her life would have been ruined. All Joseph had to do was to say one word and tell one person about Mary. And her life would have been ruined. And, and uh, this story would, would not be, uh, it would be a different story, wouldn't it? 
But Mary had chosen a good man, and the Bible declares him to be a just man. Matthew 1 and 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He said, I'm not going to divorce you in public, but it's over. Between me and you, it's over. I mean, we're, we're, we'll do this quietly. We don't want to ruin, uh, you know, uh, your reputation, our reputation as best. We're gonna, we're just, we'll just do it quietly, me and you. Uh, we were going to go to the courthouse steps, but now we're just going to, you know, uh, just be done. But being a just man, Joseph knew the, the magnitude of the situation. If it wasn't handled properly, the woman that he loved could possibly be killed. They can maybe accuse her of adultery, um, you know, and that's, that's death by stoning. Uh, and so really, this was, this was quite the behold for Joseph here and Mary. Quite the behold, when, when the angel came and told Mary about this, and then she had to uh, tell her fiancé about this, uh, behold, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Uh, and so uh, it's not really the, the cute Christmas story that everyone just kind of quickly reads and say, oh, that's, that's great. He really had to do some thinking. How in the world am I going to handle this? What should I do? Should I, I forgive her and marry her and, and be a, a father to somebody else's child? Or should I divorce her? And if, if I divorce her, how can I do it without harming her because I love her? I mean, uh, you know, we were going to get married. And, uh, but with this behold, like, uh, it's just changed things. I'll tell you that the birth of Jesus wasn't a great and joyful event in these early stages because there's, there's a lot of working out to, to do. As you can imagine, put yourself in, in Joseph's shoes. And uh, it was a serious situation, very serious, very serious. Musician, if you would come. It had to be handled the right way. And so uh, it had to be handled uh, uh, so that uh, Joseph was contemplating divorce and Mary. And with all this newfound stress, Joseph was walking a path into his office. Uh, he collapses, uh, being up late, doesn't know what to do. Joseph, he's just, he's beside himself. He needs time. I need to think about this. Uh, you just, you're rocking my world here. What is going on? Um, and verse 20 of Matthew 1, 20. But while uh, Joseph thought on all these things, I'm going to put her away privately. Am I still going to marry her, divorce her? The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Behold, Joseph, you don't got to fear. You don't got to worry. Behold, the baby is of the Holy Ghost. This is a, a, a miracle that has taken place. Uh, and so you don't got to worry about it. Just uh, behind the behold is a great blessing. Your life is going to be changed forever. If you just follow after what God is trying to do here in this situation uh, and don't ignore the behold, Embrace it because God has something greater on the other side. As, it, as if that helped out any situation, 
He's relieved to know who the child was. It's a miraculous conception, a miraculous birth here that's going to happen. So now he knows, but now he knows. He knows whose child this is. And as if God isn't already watching from above, now God's going to get a fresh set of eyes. And now God's going to be living in my house. Behold, Joseph, I'm moving in. Physically, I'm moving into your house. As if Joseph wasn't already stressed out enough about everything, now come to find out that he's got to be an earthly father to the heavenly father. Talk about no pressure there, Joseph. No pressure. I know you've never been a dad before, but hey, here's your one opportunity to be the best dad you can to be of the heavenly father. You talk about being worried and stressed out. Uh, uh, and so the behold become it, it comes as an interruption, and, and usually uh, it's not always comfortable, and sometimes we have to make adjustments, but I know that behind the behold, there's greatness. There's the, the glory of God. There's the majesty of God. There's the great plans of God that he has for us and for you, but we just got to be able to listen to the behold and, and follow what God wants us to do. Will you stand with me tonight, today? Luke 1 and 31, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. There's the behold given to Mary that changed her life. And bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. You see, all of that came after the behold. Behind the behold is God's plan that is unveiled and, 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 and leads to the glory of God and, and leads to every life that comes in contact with that is going to be blessed. Uh, the beholds, they're, they're, they may be uncomfortable, but we got to trust that God knows what he's doing because behind the behold, God's got a great plan for us. Joseph, I, I know that you had your life all planned out. But pardon the interruption, Joseph. I've got something that I want you to do. My will needs to be done. And I want you to do it. Talk about an opportunity. Talk about a blessing. The God of heaven comes down to you and, and knocks and says, Behold, I've got something for you to do. Why would we ignore the behold? Why would we shut out the behold? Why would we kick against the pricks and, uh, and, and try to ignore God's voice because we know that God only does good things. He only does great things. And everything is going to work out for the good. Uh, and so why would I ignore the behold? Why would I not listen? Why would I not embrace the behold? Because I tell you, it's an interruption. It's an interruption in our life. Pardon the interruption, but I've, I've got a miracle that needs to be birthed. And can you help watch out for that miracle? Can you help protect that miracle? Can you help guide Mary to where she needs to be to be born, to give birth to the, the Lord and Savior? Uh, I need somebody to watch over this blessed baby. Uh, can you help me, Joseph? I, I know your whole life has now been changed, but behold, I've got a plan for you. See, if God interrupts your life, 
if he interrupts your plans, know this, that a, a miracle might be waiting for you. A miracle is waiting behind the behold. God's not going to interrupt your plans and leave you hanging. God's not going to forget about you if he comes knocking on your door. If God's going to show up, God's going to deliver in your life. If he tells you, behold, this and this, you need to embrace it and say, God, whatever it is, let your will be done. Whatever discomfort it brings me, I want to serve you. I want to see your glory. I want to see that miracle happen. Uh, and that's all behind the behold. And we've got to embrace the behold. He just might deliver that miracle that you've been praying for. It's behind the behold. That deliverance that you need, that healing that you've been crying out for, the answer to your prayer, it's all behind the behold. But he's going to have to interrupt your plans to get you to do it. Are you going to be okay if God comes knocking? If God calls you and say, I want you to stop doing that. I want you to do this instead. I want you to go here and do this. I know you've got plans, but behold. I've got something greater for you. And if you really think about it, we are all here today because somebody heard the behold and said, yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. Yes, Lord, I'll make that sacrifice. It's not about me. It's not about my plans. It's about your will, God. Let your will be done. Will you answer the call? Will open up these altars? Will you come and seek the face of God? Behold, God's got a plan for you. And it may be an interruption, but God's going to take care of it. We're here because Mary and Joseph answered the call. You're here today because somebody said, hey, will you come to church with me? But I, I use, on Sundays, I usually do this and this and this. Sundays, I usually go here. But will you come to church? Will you come with me to church to an altar? Will you pour out your heart? And out behind the behold is the greatest thing that God has because we answered it before and God still got a behold in your life because he still wants to draw you closer to him and he's got greater things for you. Will you come? Will you answer the call? What does God want to do in your life? What does he want you to lay down and say, God, hey, lead me, Lord, to a new place. Lead me, Lord, to that new life, that new calling, that new anointing. It all comes behind the behold. And I know it's going to cost me something, but I'm willing to pay. Will you come and worship the Lord together? Will you come and cry out to him, God? I don't want to ignore you. I don't want to kick against the pricks anymore, God, but I'm going to answer the behold. There's something great there, Lord. It's going to cost me something, but I know. I know it's going to be worth it in the end. Help me, Lord, to be faithful to you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He's got a behold for each and every one of you today. We've heard the time. Answer the call. Follow him. They have Put down your schedule and your plans and let God lead you to that place. There is power well, there's power in the name of name. Jesus. He can transform you. So much power. Well, let's give our life to him today name. for this season.
for God to do a great and mighty thing. 